Hello, my name is Sarah Lee Harder, and I am sitting in a room. At the beginning of this recording, I set a timer for one hour. Until it goes off, I am not allowed to look at the timer. For the next 60 minutes, I will be talking uninterrupted. Nobody will speak to me during this hour. I may not listen to music, watch or read anything during this hour. I may move and stand if I wish, but I must stay within earshot of the microphone at all times. There are no guidelines for what I must talk about, but it is suggested that I begin by describing the room around me. This is the end of my written prompt. And so it begins. Um, hi. (laughs) I guess I should start by describing the room around me. Um, okay, so on a small scale, we are in my, um, one bedroom apartment. It's... Okay, so it's kind of grandma core in aesthetic. I have like a collection of wicker, um, some pretty vibrantly colored uh, rugs from Ross, um, lots of thrifted furniture. I'm currently sitting at my dining room table, which I have, I'm really into arts and crafts. So I've kind of done this thing where I, collaged a bunch of like movie posters and like 60s memorabilia and like quotes that I really love and then uh, made this like big collage on the table and then epoxy resined it down and it looks interesting but it's fun it's fun um and then I have a collection of paintings um and art that I've made on the walls I will say I am not the best painter, but it's fine. I paint a lot of um, (laughs) interesting work. Um, Lots of nudes, if I'm gonna be honest. I paint a lot of nudes. Um, And I'm not quite sure what that's about, but it's it's fun, it's a new age, I guess. I have a collection of beverages in front of me. I have some hot tea, some water, um, and a glass of wine because I wasn't quite sure what the mood was going to be. And my cat, Freya, is curled up in the chair next to me. Um, So I guess on a larger scale, we are in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, Okay, so I guess how I got here. I am from Houston, Texas, kind of like cheer mom suburbs. Like, mm, everyone has a pool or a trampoline in their backyard. And I don't think anybody is aware of the word privacy. Um, But, you know, football's huge and the high schools are big and it's hot as hell. So Houston, Texas. Um, And then I went to school at OU, um, got my BFA in acting, and then I moved out to LA, lived there in Studio City, and it was um, a really awesome time. I met some really cool people. I got to work on some really neat projects. and then like, just as I was working on like the biggest thing that I had booked so far, I mean, it, nothing big, it was a, like a short sci-fi film. I was on set for that. And then um, the world ended, um, or at least it, it felt like it. Um, so California was one of the first states that like closed down, like went into lockdown. Um, and I had no fucking clue. Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. Well, I guess they can beat me out. Um, I had no clue what lockdown meant, I guess, as none of us did. But I just had this like really clear image in my head of the Simpsons movie. And I fucking knew that I was not going to be stuck in a bubble. Um, So I very foolishly, impulsively, I don't know what the correct word would be. Um, As soon as California announced a lockdown, I panicked um, packed enough stuff that I needed to survive into my car and started driving at 10 o'clock at night that night to Houston, Texas. Um, 
because I didn't know where else to go. Um, and then once everything kind of settled down, I ended up going back to LA for a bit um, until my lease was up. And then I made the decision to move back to Norman because um, didn't know what the world was going to look like. Uh, didn't want to lose my entire bank account. And uh, there was a boy here. So, um, you know, I was horny and I followed uh, my heart or whatever part you want to say that is. Um, but no. Uh, so that's how we got here. Um, and it's weird. Like, I'm not where I thought I would be by any means. Um, but I'm pretty happy. That's one good thing. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty damn happy. Um, I think the weirdest thing about the pandemic has been how time has gone by. Um, it's end of March now, so we've just passed the anniversary of, um, all of us figuring out about coronavirus and going into lockdown and, uh, the spring break that just kept on going, um, and I feel like it has been the longest year and the shortest year. Um, time kind of stands out in big moments. And the thing is, I don't really have the best memory. Um, I don't know if that is a, a natural thing, a trauma thing, or, uh, you know, a weed thing. Um, but things don't really stick with me that well. Um, I kind of have like two different, um, I don't know if you'd call them metaphors for how I experience time. Um, I have a tendency of disassociating a lot of the time. I have big, bad anxiety. Um, and I feel like sometimes, okay, bear with me. If you've ever seen the movie, click it, it's an Adam Sandler movie. It's it's interesting, but it kind of fucked me up. Um, so in it, there's this remote that can fast forward and rewind time. Um, and kind of one of the like lessons that he learns or like plot devices is um, the remote malfunctions and it starts glitching. And he has these big jumps in time where he skips things. And sometimes I feel like when I am constantly disassociating, um, which kind of is brought on by heightened anxiety like the last year has been, um, I tend to experience life in moments and it'll skip to the next moment and I'm not quite sure how I got there. I mean, it's, it's not like a, I don't know if you've seen the movie Horse Girl kind of scenario. Like I don't just kind of appear um, I don't know if that was really loud. That might've been really loud. Um, anyway, I don't really just appear in different locations, but it, it seems like I drop into them. Another way that I kind of describe um, memory and time. Um, when I think at my memories, it doesn't really feel like I am the one experiencing them. Um, it kind of feels like a movie, which I know isn't too original, um, but bear with me. It's kind of like, okay, so it's kind of like the French Revolution. Like, you know it happened, right? Like, you um, learned about it in history class. You probably saw Les Mis, uh, big old thing. You, you know the gist. But it just doesn't really seem that important to you specifically. I mean, unless you're, you know, we're, we're eating the rich, the, the guillotine's coming back. Um, but all in all, like, there's kind of this um, detachment to the event. And I feel like when I, when I look back at my past, especially middle school, high school era, um, I remember it kind of like a list of facts kind of like a movie that you've seen once or twice and you know the, the general plot too, but I don't really remember experiencing it at all. Okay, and now we're gonna take a sip of wine. Mm. 
that was needed. Okay, so I, I say all of this about like time and memory because in the past week, I have had three instances, kind of weird little synchronicities of people from the past kind of reemerging and me not really knowing what to do with it. Um, and this being a podcast where I just talk for an hour, I figured, you know, free therapy, I guess. Um, but no. Okay. So I thought it'd be fun to, to tell you about each of them. So the first one, um, there was, hmm. I was a big old nerd in high school as uh, many of us were. And I really didn't experience life at all. If it wasn't in a 1950s musical, um, I was obsessed. I think I listened to every Broadway cast album that existed on loop. I think I spent all of my time on like little YouTube rabbit holes, finding the most niche um, musical theater standalone song that I could bring in my repertoire to show all the other musical theater kids that though I could not do the splits, I was a nerd. I, I was boring, I guess. Um, <laughs> but um, no, so all this to say, I spent my summers at theater camp. So this theater camp was the Texas State Theater Camp. Essentially what you did is you went uh, to camp for two weeks, they cast you in a one-act play, you put on the show, you went home. Super cute, super sweet, very like, you know, what you do with high schoolers. Um, at this particular camp, it was my second year, and there was this girl named, we'll call her Allison. Um, I didn't really know her at all. She kind of hung out in this um, general uh, kind of like older teen girl group. Um, and I had gone to the camp the year before, so I had made friends with this group of guys um, that I mainly hung out with because... I knew them all and uh, I was bisexual and was terrified of women and didn't really know how to talk to any of them because they were so pretty. Um, and my roommate came back one day to tell me that the group of girls had kind of been talking about me. Um, I kind of, I don't know if you've, you probably don't know me, but if you've seen me, um, the thing that stands out the most <laughs> is I kind of have a rather large um, posterior, I guess I would say. Um, and I have been kind of made fun of it um, my whole life uh, in that kind of general, like, you know, young slut shamey sort of way. So all in all to say, um, my roommate came back to tell me that the group of girls had kind of been talking about me and had been saying that I was like a pick me girl. And I was just like this total whore who was like, you know, really going at it with the guys. Um, I just kind of, I don't really remember my response. I probably called her a, a not a uh, nice name at the time, you know, high school. Um, but then I moved on. Um, so then like two years had passed. We are at the end of my senior year of high school. You know, we're graduating, we're moving on, we're doing things. Um, and I remember looking at my phone after school and I had received like a notification um, that that roommate had texted me asking if I had seen Allison's tweet. And of course I hadn't, because I hadn't thought of the girl in two years. Um, and I didn't follow her, but apparently what happened was that a week ago before this, I had been going through my Instagram kind of deleting, uh, you know, all the people that you don't really like see in your day to day. And I guess I unfollowed her. Um, and she had decided to tweet something at me saying that I was a bitch and that like I would get what was coming to me or something like that. And I hadn't, I really hadn't seen this girl in two years. I hadn't thought of her. So then I, I messaged her thinking that of course, like she must've gotten hacked or something. Um, and I said like, hey, like I saw your tweet. Um, like, could you please take that down? Like someone must've like hacked you. Um, and she responded, no, you're a bitch, which uh, wasn't really what I was going for. Um, 
So then it was a, a weird back and forth. I think she felt, um, I don't know what happened. Um, but I just remember being really panicked that like colleges or future employers would see that Allison called me a bitch and then maybe think that I was a bitch. So, um, I, uh, freaked out and, you know, kind of had that like gut dropping, um, spiral. Um, but then all in all, like I texted some girls that knew the girls and it all kind of calmed down and she eventually deleted the stuff. Um, I bring this up because about a week ago I was going through my Instagram and some of my boyfriend's friends from high school had, uh, followed me. So I was going through their stories, you know, just, uh, stalking. Um, and in one of his friend's stories, he shared, or she shared a video that had Allison in it. She's advertising some, uh, film company that she's working for now, which is, really weird that, I mean, I guess like theater camp, theater camp. Um, but it's just so strange to see her face after all of that time. Um, and of course, I mean, we were kids then, like, I, I really wish her well, like hell, we're in the same industry. We might work together someday. Who knows? But, um, it was just one of those, like, like weird things where you, you see their face and you just think about like where you were at the time and who you were at the time and why we all acted that way. Um, so then the next one comes up, the, the, the next uh, ghost from the past. And this one is a little trickier um, because this girl texted me. Okay, so this one, this story is gonna take a little more backstory. So, at said theater camp all these years ago, Texas State, I met my one true high school love, um, my, my boyfriend, Alan, at the time. Um, and we dated for two years, I think. Um, and the thing is, the tricky thing is, um, we were friends both years that we were at camp. And the first year I had a boyfriend and then the second year he had a girlfriend. So we just kind of like, you know, did that like chill little brother, little sister, best friend kind of thing. Um, and then after the camp ended, we, we both lived kind of near Houston. Um, so we hung out one night and one thing led to the next and he ended up sneaking back into uh, my parents' house. And it was the one night that they left me home alone, which was um, awful of me. Um, and one thing led to the next and he kissed me and the world ended. Um, but the thing is he had a girlfriend and this girl's name was, um, we'll call her Kim. Um, and I, of course, uh, being, you know, the, the high school feminist that I was, was like, oh no, the world has ended. I cannot date you unless you break up with her. And he was like, oh no, I, I'm not a cheater. I, uh, I I just really like you. We, you know, things have been fizzling with us. I'm gonna end things with her right now. And then he went outside and he called her and he ended things with her. And um, I loved him. I really loved him. Um, and we dated for two years. It was kind of long distance. He lived an hour and a half on the other side of town. Houston's really big. Um, and I wasn't a big driver. I was kind of scared of driving until my senior year. So what would happen is he would drive over to me about every other week, um, and spend the weekend with me. Um, it was really romantic. I felt like, uh, someone cared. Um, but then about, mm, I want to say, January of senior year, I could kind of feel like we were going different directions. Um, we were looking at different colleges, all in all, you know, the story. So I broke up with him. Um, and then that night, uh, my friends came over and they told me, oh, there's something that we need to tell you. Um, 
Alan has been cheating on you um, the whole time. And I, I didn't really believe it, but then they showed me these texts between Alan and Kim. Um, and I had known that Kim had stayed in his life because A, she was his next door neighbor and B, she, uh, he had said that they like were family friends and, um, their parents just kind of forced them around each other all the time, uh, which, you know, is, is high school and is what kind of happens. Um, so I was just really confused. And these, these texts between the two of them were, were that kind of classic, like, oh, are you going to tell her? Like, does she even know about us? Um, and like, like, you know, all of these times, yada, yada, yada. And I kind of come to the conclusion that essentially what happened was when I thought he broke up with her, he just demoted her to side hoe. Um, which I, I mean, breaks my heart for her, breaks my heart for me. Like, you know, it's just another case of, uh, I don't know, men, men being shitty. Um, and I, I, you know, you're in high school, you, you, you react in a certain way. I, um, I think I felt really bad for her at first. Um, I, I had ended up reaching out to her and saying like, Hey, uh, no hate. Uh, just, I, I like, you know, I, I'm sorry that all of this has happened. Um, I didn't know kind of thing. Um, and she, she starts, um, kind of trying to befriend me, which is interesting. Um, now that I think about it, I think she had had my number because maybe like a six months or so before this, we had gone to the movies with his friends and she had been there and she started texting me after that, trying to feel like we could uh, be friends. Whereas um, afterwards I drew a boundary saying that that was a little too much for me. Um, but anyway, uh, I tried to like make amends. I cut ties with the boy and, uh, and uh, you know, burn everything, kind of send me my shit. I never want to see you again kind of way. Um, and I thought that was that. And then um, I start receiving texts from her and she's saying stuff like, hey, I, I want your advice. Um, and I, uh, being a people pleaser, say, okay, what, what, what do you need? Um, and she says, oh, um, Alan is still in love with you, but he is in love with me too. And I just, I love him so much and I just don't know what to do. And um, at this point, I'm just really over the dude. And I'm like, girl, you need to get away from him. He's, he's um, you know, uh, a, a high school boy. Um, and she gets really defensive and like, cut, you know, it's kind of like, screw you, he's mine kind of thing, which was very confusing at the time because A, I broke up with him. Um, B, he cheated on me. I did not want him. It was strange. Uh, but then I kind of thought everything would uh, blow over. So for context, I kind of have to go back in the story before I continue. So this story revolves around my friend, Megan. So halfway through our junior year, she started receiving these anonymous text messages, kind of gossip girl style, like, I know your secret. I know who you, who you are. You're a, you're a bit, you know, just, just really like aggressively cyberbullying. Um, but the thing is, these messages kept coming from different phone numbers. So it was kind of like a, I, I think an app that like created different non numbers to send anonymous text messages. So um, I ended up getting roped into it. And then the number started texting me as well, uh, saying that if I didn't bully uh, my friend, then like they were all going to know my secret that I was a big old whore, um, which was just very silly because it was not the truth. Um, just simply was not. Um, and it just really escalated to the whole department, uh, the whole theater department was receiving these spooky anonymous texts. And then what 
turned out was that it was Megan's ex-boyfriend um, and this other dude who just, like, I think was having a really tough time um, with his mental health. So fast forward back to where we were. So uh, to catch you up, uh, ex-girlfriend had just been sending me all of these texts. Very confusing. We think everything's good. So then um, a series of things starts happening. I start receiving these um, notifications that someone is repinning all of my pins on Pinterest. And I log on to Pinterest and I see that Catherine has created an identical Pinterest board to mine. And I know this is silly, but she she went through my entire Pinterest. And I don't I don't know if you know Pinterest. It's it's this uh, I don't know if I need to to girl explain um, an app to you, but it's it's essentially like a search engine that has a lot of like aesthetics and like you know in in the early two thousands it was all like weddings and crafts and all that shit. Um, and you would just like, uh, pin things to a board, uh, to, to save it. Um, and she had gone through and created identical interests. Like, like, I'm not saying like she kind of had like the same vibe as me. Like she had repinned every single pin that I had pinned. And then I checked my Twitter and she had followed all of my Twitter followers and then tweeted, y'all deserve to hear my side of the story. At the same time, I start receiving text messages from a number that I do not know. Um, and at the beginning, it's kind of like, the, the person says that they're an underclassman, they're really shy, so they don't wanna say their name, but you know, they're a big fan because they saw me in the show. Um, and like, they, they, just, they just wanted, to ask me a question. Um, and I, I think I pretty quickly like knew that something was sus. Um, and then uh, the text comes where, uh, you know, the, the big gotcha moment. Um, and they're like, actually, I just wanted to say that I think you are a maggot, <laughs> um, um, a maggot infested um, C word. Um, and I think you are going to rot in hell. Tee hee hee heart. Um, so then I think I pretty quickly like knew exactly who it was. And, um, I text them and I'm like, Hey, um, is this, uh, the, the dude who sent the original text messages way back? And is this Allison? And they totally deny it at first. Um, but the thing is, I knew that the two of them knew each other because um, this dude was the kind of dude who just liked to mess with people. I, I think he just really, um, I mean, I don't want to psychoanalyze the kid, but um, I think he just was really dissatisfied with his life and just wanted to mess with people. And he he very genuinely told me that he was going to ask her to our prom, um, uh, Allison, because he wanted to mess with me. Um, and he thought it would be funny. Um, and for context, Allison didn't go to our school. She didn't even go to school in the same like general city as ours. She was uh, Alan's next door neighbor who lived an hour and a half away. So how she even came into the equation was... Um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, didn't make sense. Um, so all in all, I think this, I think the way we got this settled down was my friend Brayden, his dad worked uh, for the government in some capacity. And we had uh, him talk to the dude who was sending the text messages and say like, hey, uh, do you know who's doing this? Because we're gonna we're gonna report it to my dad, and he's gonna gonna you know like like ch check the number for us because uh, it's it's cyberbullying and it's harassment. And then pretty quickly, like the the text messages and everything kind of died down. Um, but then, okay, wait, wait, wine sip. <sighs> Bitter. 
Mm. So my, I, um, ooh, I just wanted to talk about the wine that I'm drinking right now. My grandma, I saw her last weekend and she is, um, a cheap wine connoisseur. She, uh, <laughs> she went to three 99 cent stores to find this very specific $10 box wine that she looked online that is sold in California for $30. So, um, you know, we're, we're drinking bougie tonight. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, I say all of this because then at the beginning of the week, I, uh, I was going through Instagram. I think moral of the story is I just need to get off social media. Um, but I'm going through Instagram and I see that I have a message request. Um, and I check it and it's from Allison. I haven't I have not talked to Allison since that final exchange. To, to put things into perspective, um, I am 23 now. Um, I think that was senior year of high school when I was 18. So a, a chunk of time has passed. And the message says something around like, Hey, Sarah, um, I saw your profile come up on suggested friends and I thought that I should reach out. I am really sorry. Ooh, excuse me. Um, I am really sorry about how I treated you. And uh, we girls should lift each other up, not tear each other down. And um, I just really hope that you're thriving. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I should respond to that. Um, oh, I don't know if you could hear that, but my, my cat just, just moved a little bit and made some, uh, purring sounds. She's precious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what the correct response is there. Um, because on one hand, um, on one hand, I'm really trying to work to be a better person. Um, I'm really trying to act like in accordance to my values. Um, and I want to be someone who is forgiving and I want to, um, be someone who, uh, isn't like tied up in the ego and the past. Um, but on the other hand, I just kind of feel petty towards her. Um, her apology wasn't magnificent. She didn't say anything of the specifics of what she did. She said kind of, I'm generally sorry, but not that I cyberbullied, harassed, and told you to kill yourself kind of vibe. Um, but I don't know. Like, it, it's just something that really stumped me. Um, which then brings us to the third ghost from the past. Um, and this one's also kind of a lengthy one. It starts in theater. Um, so, and this story is a little, a little darker. So, um, trigger warning, uh, statutory rape, um, pedophiles, uh, that, um, sort of genre. So if that makes you uncomfortable, maybe check out for the next 10 minutes or so. Um, but so starting in theater, uh, in Houston, there was this director um, who was really, really big in the North Houston area. If you're from Houston, I think you might know who I'm talking about. I don't want to use his name specifically because I don't need to invite that energy back into my life. Um, but he was a really big director. He kind of had a monopoly on the, the community theater scene um, because the thing is, while he directed the community theater shows, he also directed shows at Tut's Theater Under the Words Theater Under the Stars, which is like the big um, kind of uh, theater downtown that all like the national tours come through and the big productions occur at. Um, and he directed shows there too, so he was kind of like the big deal. Oh God, I don't know if you can hear my cat is uh, having a conniption. Oh baby. Um, anyway, this, this man had kind of a, a God complex, kind of had a lot of power. Um, and he kind of had these kids that would 
follow him from theater to theater and do shows with him. Um, and he kind of liked to cast the same kind of group of people. So the thing would be, you would like start doing some shows with him. You would maybe do one or two shows where you get to know him and you're like an understudy or in the chorus. And then he starts giving you leads and then maybe you'll get to do a show downtown and be fancy. Um, and I was one of these kids. Um, I think the first show I did with him was Drowsy Chaperone in the seventh grade. Um, and then, I mean, I, I did a whole lot of them. I, I was probably in a show every six weeks. Um, we did Macbeth. We did um, Much Ado About Nothing. I mean, not that this means anything. They're just shows. Um, anyway, so, um, but the thing, but to, to make clear, we spent all of our time at this theater. Um, some of us would be in multiple shows at a time. So we would go from six hour rehearsal with him to like four hour rehearsal with him and just be there the entire day, go get dinner breaks with him, like hang out with him. We really trusted him and he, he felt kind of like a dad figure. Um, and then, so now we're getting to the end of my junior or the end of my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I kind of, Checked out from the community theater scene a bit. I, I kind of plugged into high school theater. I know this story has a lot of like theater roots, which is very obnoxious of me. I, I apologize, um, but it's it's what I knew in the past. Um, so we get to this time and I'm, I'm not doing as much uh, with him. And then things kind of start getting a little weird. Um, there are these reports that he is in trouble for, uh, being caught with a student. Um, and I have to say at this time, I had two or three best friends, uh, in this community theater. Um, like truly best friends. We, we did all the shows together. We like had sleepovers every weekend, like really inseparable. Um, but in that way that, you know, kids are where they don't really talk that much about anything, uh, too deep or important, just kind of like what boy you like. And, um, I don't know what outfit you're wearing to dance class. Um, and the, the, this part of the story is kind of hard to say. Um, it, it came out that he had been, um, pulled over for, uh, I think speeding. Um, and when he was pulled over, the officers found a young girl in his car with him that very clearly was not his daughter. Um, and he said that he was driving her home. Um, but I think that warranted an investigation that led to his phone records, which led to it coming out that him and this young girl um, who was 16 at the time um, had been having, I don't even want to call it a sexual affair because it's, it's not an affair. It's, it's um, statutory rape um, that he had been sleeping with this student. Um, and he had been uh, offering to drive her home from rehearsals and stuff because she, this student was, um, homeschooled specifically to do theater. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to get all the, the details wrong. Um, but, um, the, uh, the parent in this position didn't, didn't respond, I think the correct way. And one thing led to the next and it ended up that the two of them had gone to Vegas to elope. So that way she wouldn't have to testify against him um, in trial. And then ultimately all of the charges got dropped. So um, he got away with it. And the thing is, um, this girl was my best friend. Um, like, like, I really mean she was my, like, best friend. Um, so it was really hard uh, because then we, we had to kind of sit there and process this relationship that we had had with him um, 
because he really he really felt like a father figure or like a like a close friend um and upon reflection i realized a lot of the things he said to me were entirely inappropriate or what he like had me do um we were when i was in uh, macbeth with him uh, I played one of the witches and he had kind of directed the show. So the witches were in every scene kind of like they were um, pulling the strings to unfold the prophecy that they give at the beginning of the story, yada, yada, yada. Um, but kind of the aesthetic of it was this uh, post-apocalyptic kind of punk sort of thing. Um, and we were all dressed like really sluttily. Um, for, for children. I mean, I'm not trying to slut shame past me, but um, just very sexualized. I think at one point he had me um, like make out with a dagger and like lick it and kind of um, perform, uh, I, I don't know what you call it, uh, a head. <laughs> I don't know what the, like the, the, the official uh, polite term would be. Um, inappropriate things on a dagger, I guess. I don't know what I'm allowed to say in a podcast. Um, but he, uh, my thoughts kind of go to this one specific night uh, in this show in general, where he um, was driving me to a cast party um, and he was offering me weed. And then after that, he uh, texted me. Um, kind of repeatedly telling me that I was like the sexiest witch and that like I really like was comfortable in my body um and just kind of bullshit um and at the time I think I I um didn't really know how to process this because um it was like people that I really cared about and people that I trusted and I didn't want to isolate um, my friend by like really coming out against the the teacher because um, obviously she she if she married him cared about him and I, I wanted to still be um, an accessible friend so I really wasn't able to um, form opinions or I, I don't know really really process um, and then a few years later um, I start receiving tweets um from this this teacher um tagging me in some sort uh i don't even remember what it originally was um but tagging me in something um to which i immediately messaged him and asked him to take it down i i set some pretty clear boundaries and made really clear that um while i didn't like <laughs> at the time i think i said i didn't wish him ill which now i i definitely do he is a pedophile um but he uh, like kind of went back and forth with, with me and was like, I thought we were friends. What do you mean you thought we were friends? You are a pedophile. Um, I am a child. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I essentially told him, like, do not contact me. So now we fast forward to today. Um, and I hadn't been on Facebook in a really long time you know it's kind of just like your racist family members and um some some memes on there um <laughs> so I, I I logged in just to kind of check and it had happened that he tagged me in a memory it was this picture from a, a Shakespeare camp that we had done that that someone had posted um and and he tagged me in it and it wasn't like the memory he shared and I just happened to be shared, like tagged in the original memory. So I was notified. No, no, he like went through the effort of individually tagging me in this memory. Um, and in that moment, oh my God, I wanted to yell at him. I wanted to, to freaking go off. I, I wanted to make it very clear that I am not a supporter of this, this freaking monster, the, this pedophile, this... Um, person who uh, groomed me and, and, and hurt me so deeply and people that I loved so deeply who, who preyed on, on children who just fucking wanted love. Like, I mean, that's all theater kids want is, is love. Um, but it's Facebook and no one gives a shit. So, so you don't. Um, 
So I think this kind of brings me to time and, and memory and looking back at, at these instances, um, I don't really know um, what the right answer is. If the, the right thing is to forgive and let go, or if the answer is to forget, to, to just to just forget, or I guess not not forget, but I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about um, Taylor Swift as uh, she's come out with these, these new albums. Um, and she's Taylor Swift has talked a lot um, about um, forgiveness and um, oh, what's the word for it? Um, oh, I cannot think in this moment. Closure. Uh, the word I'm looking for is closure. Um, Taylor Swift talks a lot about closure and how it's kind of bullshit. It's kind of this like myth of like being a good person. So you you rise above it. But the thing is, in rising above it, you are disrespecting yourself. You are disrespecting the pain that this person caused you. And I, I don't know if it's necessary. Um, and the thing is, I don't have the answers to this. This is this is me just rambling, um, or not necessarily rambling, but um, trying to grow and trying to come to a decision. And I think what I've decided is, I don't wish these people ill. I genuinely, I mean, in, in some some Kesha uh, Rainbow era. Um, I just really, I wish the best for them. Like I want them to grow and I want them to be um, better people. Um, and, I, and I really hope um, that happens for them. But I also think I've decided that I don't need to be a part of that. Um, I, I don't need to invite that energy back into my life. So I will not be responding to Allison's Instagram message. Um, and I quickly untagged myself in that memory that that teacher tagged me in because um, my time is valuable and my energy is valuable. And if I reflect, like I am really grateful for the people in my life right now. Like life is <laughs> not at all how I expected. Um, but the people I have in it have really made it worth it. They make me feel loved and seen um, and they are my greatest joy. And I don't have any time or room for people that make me feel any less than my full self. Um, and I'm learning that. And it sounds mean, like it sounds um, <laughs> uh, vindictive of me or something, but I, I don't say this because I wish others any ill. I say this because I wish myself the best, um, most genuinely. And I think at 23, that's the, the decision, the ooh, words, um, the decision that I have come to. Mm. Growth is hard and life is long, like this podcast. Mm, that was bad. Um, oh, hey, Freya. Um, so I think I'm going to end you end this on a lighter story. Um, I kind of thought that I would talk about the time that I, mm, how to phrase this, that I accidentally assisted in the possible kidnapping or running away of a high schooler of a high schooler. I guess uh, let's get started. Okay, so um, set the stage. Um, it is my junior, sophomore, I graduated in three years, it was weird, uh, year of college. It's, uh, I think, towards the, the end of the year, um, maybe. And like parties are kind of starting to heat up. 
I um, am in a little bit of a tiff with my friend at the time um, who I would normally go to parties with. And I decided that I was gonna walk to this party. So I have my um, metal water bottle full of vodka, what, mm, I don't know what I was drinking at the time, maybe um, death, my, my bottle of death. Um, and I am trudging for this party. That's not a word. Um, <laughs> I am uh, on the move. Um, and my friend and um, our other friend were going to meet me there. So then about 20 minutes into my walk, I come to the realization that I have walked in the wrong direction on the major street. Um, there is a north and I have gone south. Um, so I text my friend and the two of them are on their way to pick me up. So I turn around and I start walking in the opposite direction. So as I'm walking, I kind of realize that there is this girl following me. Um, but she's not just kind of following me. She is, she's running from one tree to the next, uh, looking both ways and hiding behind it. Um, so I keep walking and then eventually she starts calling out to me, ma'am, ma'am. Um, and I uh, say, hey, how can I help you? Uh, and she runs over to me and then hides behind me. Um, so I, I, I kind of ask like, hey, hey, uh, how can I help you? And she says, um, do you know which way uh, North Norman is? And I don't know if you know me, I am the like most directionally impaired human being. Like you could spin me three times and I could not tell you which direction I was originally facing. It is truly terrible. Like I am not exaggerating. So I kindly tell her no um, and I go about my business. I keep walking and she keeps following. And the thing about this girl is she's crying this whole time. Um, and it's like these th this kind of loud, ugly crying. Um, and I get kind of scared. So I ask, uh, like, like, how can I help you? And she asks, do you have a car? And I say, it's about a 20 minute walk away. No. And at this point, you have to remember, I am also a drunk. And I'm also in possession of alcohol. And I am also underage. Um, so I am um, trying to kind of get out of this situation as nicely as possible. Um, so as we're walking, she starts to tell me that she has run away, that her family is abusive and that um, she just needs help. So immediately I drop everything. I say, yeah, I'll help you. Um, and I call my friends that are on their way to pick me up. I ask them like what they think we should do. And um, they at the same moment are pulling up. So then I think one thing leads to the next and in our kind of drunken, confused haze, this girl gets in the car with us um, and we start driving, um, which was not the right decision uh, in, uh, in, in retrospect, in future now, I know, not the right decision by any means, um, but we continue to drive. Um, and then we start saying, Okay, so if, if you are experiencing abuse, we should we should contact the police. We, we should uh, contact Child Protective Services to get you out of that home. Um, and she starts talking about, no, no, we can't call the cops because she knows she knows a particular cop and he'll be really disappointed in her, um, which kind of confuses us. Um, but then she keeps talking about how we just need to take her to, to her friend's house, that her friend is her like safety, uh, that they, they have it all sorted out and she just needs to get to her friend's house and all will be well. So we kind of come to the decision that we are going to take this girl to her friend's house because then there's an adult present, um, hopefully like a, a friend's parent that we can talk to, to make sure that she uh, gets settled and then she gets taken home because this girl also refused to tell us where she lived or um, how to like get her home. Um, if we could. So then we get to this house, we walk her to the door, we knock, and a man comes to the door who is shirtless. Um, and you can kind of obviously tell that there is a woman somewhere in the general background, um, probably not uh, in the mood for a 
a group of visitors. Um, and the thing is, this man has never seen this child in his life. He is so confused. And this girl starts asking, like, is is so-and-so here? Um, and he's like, uh, no, she's, she's at her grandpa. What do you want? And she says, like, oh, oh, uh, she said I could come here at any time. Can I stay here? And he's kind of like, no, I don't know you. Leave. Um, so we so we apologize to the dude and walk back to the car. Turns out that this house um, was the the home of her secret girlfriend's house. They they, they weren't out to uh, either family, um, which I, I the difficult, um, very difficult. So uh, she gets back in the car with us, and now we have no idea what to do. Um, so we we just we just start driving. Um, and my, my friend's in the driver's seat and she's just kind of driving in circles. We don't really know where to go. Um, the, the, the child takes my other friend's phone, downloads an app on it and starts FaceTiming someone in Oklahoma city. Um, and we learn pretty quickly that this person that she is FaceTiming in Oklahoma city, she has never met. They have met online. They are, they are good friends, um, off of Facebook. Um, and she starts asking us if we can drive her into the city. And we kind of put two and two together pretty quickly. And we go, take transporting her to another city is possibly kidnapping. Um, so we will not be participating in that. Again, we try to get her to go to the cops. Um, but that, that just doesn't seem like something that she wants to do. All this time, every time a, a car passes by, she, she's ducking down. Um, so then I kind of communicate to my friend in the front seat without the kid knowing that we are going to... Um, go to the police um, where we're gonna drive to the police station and see if they can help us. Um, as we are approaching, um, the kid kind of puts two and two together, says, no, she doesn't wanna go. Um, and then as soon as the car stops, flings open the door and tries to bolt. I have to rip my friend's phone from her hand because she's about to take it. Um, and she starts running down the, the road. But the thing is, she's not really an athlete. Um, by any means. So she, she maybe, uh, takes a, f takes a, a few, uh, strides and then, uh, stops, stops for a breather and then, uh, takes a few more strides and then stops for a breather. So, so all in all, like she's, she's not getting very far, but I also don't feel like chasing a child. Uh, so we go inside, we, we call and report it in. Um, and, uh, we get back in the car and we, we kind of decide what we're going to do. We can kind of still see the kid in the distance. And um, we went to the party. I hope that kid's okay. I really hope that she's okay. Because, oh, I also need to add, as uh, as it continues, um, she kind of started with my family's abusive. And then it, it kind of leaned into... Um, my 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 mom's really really mean and then it kind of leaned into they wouldn't let me hang out with my friend tonight um so so by the end of it we were all just just very confused and um very relieved to be at a setting with alcohol and no children um oh god time time just is is ticking and i don't know how much i have left of it um but that's that story. Um, I guess I will end on um, some uplifting notes, I guess. Um, I kind of talked on gratitude. And I think in this, this hectic uh, kind of hellish year we've had, it's really easy to have like kind of a scarcity mindset um, and think about all the things we lost. Uh, all the, all the things that we don't have anymore. Um, I know I, I miss the city. Um, I miss kind of the routine and the life that I had. Um, but it's, it's really easy to count all of those negative things, but I think the only way that you can like really combat them in like true Brene Brown fashion is, um, count your gratitudes. Um, and I am just, so grateful. I'm grateful for my cat. 
I'm grateful for this. Oh, for the timer. Um, I am grateful for the timer. Um, I am grateful for my really wonderful community here in Norman. Um, I am grateful for my one bedroom apartment, which is the largest apartment I think I will ever live in, like by myself. Um, I am grateful for the opportunity to live by myself because some feminist somewhere told me that all women should live by themselves at some point, And I believed them and I also think it's true. Um, I am grateful for spring being back. I am grateful that um, I get to be on this podcast with all of you uh, listening, if anyone is listening. Um, and I'm, I'm just really grateful for the opportunities that are yet to come. Because um, life keeps uh, rocking and rolling and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. So now we've reached the end of our time. I just want to thank you so much for listening. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Sarah Lee Harder. Um, my website is www.saraleeharder.com. Um, I have a new short film coming out soon. It's in post-production. It's called Trip. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm also, I think, working on a poetry book right now. So more news on that might come out, um, closer to August. But, um, yeah, I really hope you follow me and stay in touch. Bye.